يعني عن الامام احمد بن حنبل ليس يشبه الحج شيء لماذا؟ لما فيه من كثره التعب وبذل المال للتعب الذي فيه ولتلك المشاعر وفيه مشهد ليس في الاسلام مثله وهو عشيه يوم عرفه وفيه انهاك المال والبدن النبي لما ذكر عرفه قال ان الله جل وعلا يطلع على اهل عرفه في يوم عرفه وهم في ذلك الصعيد العظيم على فالغالب ان ملبس الرجال واحد ازار ورداء ليس على الرؤوس ما يغطيها وهم واقفون يلهجون بذكر الله جل وعلا يباهي الله بهم الملائكه يقول انظروا الى عباد هؤلاء يعني من اثوا جاءوا من اطراف الارض يلتمسون رضوان الله ويستجيرون بالله من عذابه فذلك المشهد مشهد عظيم مشهد يوم عرفه يجلس الناس من بعد صلاه الظهر مباشره يعني نصف النهار الى غروب الشمس وهم في ذكر وتمجيد وحمد وثناء على الله جل وعلا لا ينشغلون بشيء اخر يرجون رحمه الله ولذلك هذا هذا اليوم وذلك الموقف له شان عظيم ولهذا سن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لمن لم يحج ان يصوم يوم عرفه يعني في في بقيه الدنيا في الاسلام ارشدهم الى ان يصوموا ويتطوعون وقال احتسب على الله ان يكفر بالصيام يوم عرفه السنه الماضيه والسنه المقبله يعني صائر الذنوب كلها يقول وتلك المشاعر وفيه المشهد مشهد ليس في الاسلام مثله عشيه عرفه وفيه هذا المال كل حاج ان حج متمتعا فعليه ان يذبح في ذلك الحج ذبيحه هدي تمتع فراغ ومن لا من لم يجد وهو متمتع او قارن ولا يجد ما يشتري اضحيه او ذبيحه هذه عليه ان يصوم ثلاثه ايام في ايام الحج وسبعه اذا رجع الى محل اقامته يقول عن ابي امامه الصحابه رضي الله عنه ان رجلا سال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اي الاعمال الصحابه رضي الله عنهم عندهم حرص عجيب ليعرفون العمل الذي يكون ارضى لله ويكون اعظم ثوابا عند الله جل وعلا فسالوا قالوا اي العمل اقرب قال عليك بالصوم فانه لا مثيل له الصوم يحجب الانسان ويمنعه من متطلبات النفس من اكل من شرب من التلذذ بزوجته 
يمنع هذه الأشياء ثم هو ليس بكبير عنا وجهد في توفير لا يحتاج إلى وجبة طعام في وسط النهار ومساعدات في أوله وآخره إلى غير ذلك رواه أحمد غير بسند الحسن المحدثون إذا قالوا رواه فلان بسند الحسن أنه يكون مقبولا وأما إذا قالوا رواه البخاري أو رواه مسلم أو رواه البخاري ومسلم فهذا عند أهل العلم أنه حديث صحيح ثابت قال وقال الشيخ يعني يقول الشيخ الإسلام محمد بن عبد الوهاب في قولها الشيخ يعني شيخ الإسلام بن تيمية وقال الشيخ قد يكون كل واحد أفضل في حال يعني هذه الأعمال التي يحبها الله بعضها يكون في بعض الأحوال أحب إلى الله يدل على ذلك فعل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وفعل خلفائه الراشدين يعملون بالعمل على حسب ما تقتضيه مصلحة الأمة أو على حسب ما ييسر الله لهم يقول ومثله قول أحمد انظر ما هو أصلح لقلبك فافعل إذا كان راحت بالك وأنسك في تقربك إلى الله أن تشتغل بالذكر سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله العظيم هذه كلمات محدودة لكن فيها فاضل عظيم يعني من قال في اليوم مئة مرة سبحان الله وبحمده سبحان الله العظيم هذه جملة من قالها مئة مرة غفرت ذنوبه في ذلك اليوم ما فيها جهد يمكن يجلس الواحد ربع ساعة يسرد مئة كلمة من هذا النوع لكنه بشرط ان يكون فعل ما فعل تقربا الى الله بما يحب رجاء ان يعفو الله عنه رجاء ان يثيبه الله على جل وعلا على ذلك العمل والنبي قال انما الاعمال بالنيات كلما كانت النيه طيبه سليمه والرغبه صادقه والايمان بتحصيل ذلك الخير اعتمادا على سنه رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يكون ثابتا قال انظر ما هو الاصلح لقلبك يعني قد يكون الانسان يسبح اهون عليه واسهل من ان يقوم بعمل اخر يصلي مثلا ركعات الله يقول فاتقوا الله ما استطعتم يعني لا تشقوا على انفسكم ولكن انظروا ما قد يكون احب الى الله جل وعلا قال ورجح احمد فضيله الفكر على الصلاه والصدقه يعني لما يكون الواحد اذا فكر من اهل العلم 
فطرا لحل مشكله من المشاكل او لايجاد قاعده عظيمه يستنبطها من الادله الشرعيه التي هي كلام الله وكلام رسوله هذه هي مرجع الناس في عموم التشريع ولهذا الامام الشافعي رحمه الله عليه ربما نام في الليل يعني ما هو بنام نوم وانما اضطجع او استلقى وجعل دور ليله يفكر في امور يبديها للناس تكون انفع لهم في العلم النافع كما فعل ذلك عند الامام احمد بن حنبل قال فقد يتوجه قد يتبين الشيء للانسان ان عمل القلب افضل من عمل الجوارح لما يكون عمل القلب تفكير بعظمه الله تفكير في ايجاد هذا الكون كيف اوجد كيف اوجدت هذه السماء هذه القبه العظيمه لا نعرف ان لها قواعد تتلقاها في ذلك كان عظيم احد السبعه الذين يظلهم الله في ظله يوم لا ظل الا ظله الذي يذكر الله في خلوه ما ليس عند واحد ذكر الله خاليا ففاضت عيناه من خشيه الله هذا ما جاء فيضان هذه العين من ركعات يؤديها وطول قراءه يعني يفكر في هذا الكون كيف اوجد هذا السماء كيف ركزت هذه الجبال كيف شققت هذه المجاري لما ينزل من المطر والى اين تذهب من الذي اوجدها هذا الايجاد العجيب اوجدها الخلاق العليم اذا فكر في هذه الامور فاهتز خشيه من الله وحياء من الله حصل على خير وان مراد الاصحاب عمل الجوارح يعني فيما يتعلق بالصلاه والقتال والجهاد في سبيل الله والبذل الجهد ايضا في كسب المعاش كسب الرزق حتى لا يحتاج الانسان الى الناس كل هذه بالنيات لها اجر عظيم فيختلف على حسب الحاجه يقول ان عمل القلب افضل من عمل الجوارح إذا كان عمل القلب أثر على الإنسان أن سالت عبرته فارت عينه إجلالا لله جل وعلا وشعورا بالعجز عن أن يجد طريقا يمكن أن يلتمس فيه أن هذه السماء التي وجدت كم لها من سنين آلاف لا ندري 
قد تكون ملايين كما يقول بعضهم من يكتب في العصر الحديث ان الاشياء بعض المواد لها كذا مليون سنه الله اعلم الله جل وعلا في سرقه الملك امر الانسان ان ينظر في السماء هل يرى فيها خطور تشقق ما الذي اوجدها بهذا التصميم العجيب وهذه الانوار الليليه من تلك النجوم وما يجري في فلكها الى ذلك كيف كان لا احد يستطيع ان يحقق تحقيقا كيف كان وانما هو موجود وموجده هو الفعال ثم اذا فكر الواحد كيف خلق الله هذه الدنيا يقرا اول سوره فصلت حميم سته ايام اوجد الله جل وعلا هذا الكيان من سماء وارض وما تحتاج اليه فسبحان الله يعني قصدي قول الامام احمد وغيره ان التفكير بالقلب اذا اوجد تعظيما لله وخشيه من الله وحياء من الله صار له اثر هذا مع ضرورة العمل في الجوارح وأداء ما فرضه الله من الصلوات الخمس ومن الصيام لرمضان ومن أداء مناسك الحج الذي أوجبه الله على الناس في العمر مرة بل ويؤيده أن عمل القلب له أثره الكبير حديث أحب الأعمال إلى الله الحب في الله والبغض في الله يعني تحب فلان تحبه لأنه ابنك هذه أمر سهل أخوك أبوك لا تحبه لا تحبه إلا لأنك رأيت فيه العمل الذي يرضي الله الحب في الله أحب الأعمال إلى الله، يعني هذا من أعمال القلب، ما هي من أعمال البدن. أعمال القلب منها الحب في الله والبغض في الله. تبغض أولياء الله الصالح، تحب أولياء الله الصالحين ابتغاء مرات الله. وتبغض أعداء الله من الكفرة والزنادقة والمنافقين النفاق الاعتقادي تبغضهم طاعة لله. قال وكذلك حديث اوثق عرى الايمان ان تحب في الله وتبغض في الله. لانك لما تحب ما تحب الا لاجل الله طاعة الله لما ترى من مباشرة من تحبه للاعمال التي يحبها الله جل وعلا. ولذلك الحديث اللي سبق قصيته عليكم مره ان رجلا خرج من بلد الى بلد ليزور شخصا لا لطمع دنيوي ولا لقرابه ولا لعمل وظيفه ولا شيء يعرف عنه طاعه الله فاحب ان يزوره 
فارصد الله له ملكا في الطريق بصوره انسان فلما رفع اليه قال لقد يتكتب وكذا قال ماذا تريد قال ازور اخلي في الله قال هل لك من نعمه تربها يعني تنميها قال لا قال انغلبت احببته في الله قال انا رسول من احببته فيه انه جل وعلا يحبه يعني الحب في الله يولد اذا كان نقيا سالما من الضلالات والبدع يولد محبه الله قال واخذ التطوع انتهى الان من الاعمال القلبيه الذي يصلح القلب التفكير بخلق الله التدبير بهذا الكون التدبير بهذه السحب التي تنشا وتتوجه لا يسوقها سائل وانما يدبرها ويسيرها الفعال لما يريد جل وعلا اذا انتهت من اعمال القلب بدا في الكلام عن التطوع في الاعمال البدنيه قال واكد التطوع لان الفرائض مر وقتها الصلوات الخمس قال واخر التطوع الكسوف يعني الصلاه الكسوف والنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم امر اذا حصل كسوف الشمس او كسوف القمر امر الناس يعني المسلمين ان يفزعوا الى الصلاه يصلون الصلاه المعروفه صلاه الكسوف فمن اخذ النوافل التعبديه البدنيه صلاه الكسوف ثم ماذا؟ قال ثم الوتر الوتر هذا ينبغي للواحد دائما ان يكون متخذا له وقتا يوتر فيه في الليل ويعود نفسه على ذلك ويحاول ان يلزم نفسه اداء الوتر في كل ليله اقله رفعه واحده يعني بعد غير الراتبه التي بعد العشاء اقله رفعه واحده واكثره إحدى عشرة ركعة أو ثلاث عشرة ركعة فإن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ثبت أنه صلى أنه صلى ثلاث عشرة ركعة في الليل يعني في التهجد كما في حديث عائشة وأم سلمة وعبد الله بن عباس كل ذلك في الصعيد هذا الوتر الوتر الذي ينبغي للواحد ان يلازم عليه في عمره كله عند القدره اما ان يصلي ثلاث عشره ركعه افضل الوتر اذا كان قادرا على ان يستيقظ في الليل 
أن يصلي الوتر في الثلث الأخير من الليل الله ينزل جل وعلا السماء الدنيا عندما يبقى ثلث الليل وينادي هل من تائب فأتوب عليه هل من سائل فأعطيه سؤله هل من مستغفر فأعطر له إلى أن يمرك الفجر فأفضل التهجد آخر الليل إذا خشي أن لا يستيقظ يوتر قبل أن ينام الوقت صلاة الوتر قال لا الكسوف ثم الوتر قال ثم سنة الفجر ثم سنة المغرب ثم بقية الرواق لا شك أن الكسوف لها وضعها والوتر الذي أكثره يعني أكثره في حال الانفراد وفي البيوت إحدى عشرة أو ثلاث عشرة كما في حديث عائشة بعد العشاء إلى طلوع الفجر قال والأفضل آخر الليل لمن وثق بقيامه وإلا أوثر قبل أن يأخذ أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه أوصاه النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بأمور ثلاثة أوصاه بأن يصوم من كل شهر ثلاثة أيام وأوصاه أن يوتر قبل أن ينام وأوصاه أن يصلي ركعتي الضحى يعني في كل يوم قال ثم سنة الفجر ثم سنة المغرب ثم بقية الراحة وقت صلاة المغرب الوتر بعد العشاء إلى طلوع الفجر والأفضل آخر الليل لمن وثق بقيامه وإلا أوتر قبل أن يقل وأقله ركعة وأكثره إحدى عشرة ركعة بس في هذا حديث عائشة رضي الله عنها تقول أن النبي ما زاد في ليله على إحدى عشرة ركعة لكنه أيضا ورد عنها وهو كذا في صحيح البخاري أنه صلى ثلاث عشرة ركعة وكذلك ورد عن أم سلمة أنه صلى ثلاث عشرة ركعة وورد في الحديث ابن عباس يوم يوما صلى مع النبي زوجة النبي خالة عبد الله بن عباس فأمره العباس أن ينام عند النبي ليلة لينظر كيف كان النبي يعمل في الليل فنام تلك الليلة فالنبي قام وتوضأ ودخل بالصلاة فقام ابن عباس وتوضأ ودخل معه فصلى النبي ثلاث عشر ركعة يقول أقل ركعة ركعة عشر قال والأفضل أن يسلم من كل ركعتين يعني هذا اللي يصلي في الليل الأفضل أن يسلم من كل ركعتين لماذا؟ النبي خان عليه الصلاة والسلام صلاة الليل مثنى مثنى إذا خشى أحدكم الصبح صلى ركعة يعني واحدة توتر له ما مضى هذا الحديث يدل من قول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أن الوتر لم يتحدد كلام النبي من إحدى عشرة وإنما هو 
ثنتين وهكذا حتى يخاف الواحد الفجر فيصلي ركعه يعني يمكن يكون 15 يمكن يصلي 19 كل هذا ممكن والذي ما نهى عن ذلك ترضى الا او ترضى واقله ركعه كيف ركعه؟ اذا صلى الراتبه ويحب ان ينام او يشتغل غير الصلاه صلى ركعه واحده هذا اقل من الركعه واكثره 11 فالافضل ان يسلم كل الركعتين لا شك انه هذا الواقع لكن اذا لم يسلم كل الركعتين النبي صلى تسع ركعات وتر صلى حتى سرد ثمان ركعات ما جلس ولما انهى الثامنه جلس سبح وتشهد ثم قام وعد الركعه التاسعه ثم جلس وقرأ ما يلزم التشهد الاخير وسلم ومره اخرى صنع ذلك في سبع تشهد السابع وربما خمسه تشهد الخامسه لكن لو سردها كلها ركعتين ركعتين وسلم من كل ركعتين كان ملتزما في قول على قول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال والافضل ان يسلم من كل ركعتين ثم يتبع وان فعل غير ذلك مما صح عن النبي فحسن وعدنا الكمال ثلاث والافضل بسلامين يعني الثلاث تصلي ركعتين ثم تسلم ثم تقوم وتاتي بركعه ثم تسلم لان ثلاث ركعات تسلم فيه مرتين مره عند انتهاء اثنتين ثم تقوم وتدخل بالثالثه فانهيتها تسلم ويجوز في سلام واحد ويجوز كالمغرب اي تصليها ثلاث ركعات تجلس للتشهد وتقوم من التشهد لتاتي بالثالثه ثم تؤدي الثالثه فتتشهد ثم تسلم هذا مجمل ما يتعلق بالوتر باقي الان ناتيها ان شاء الله في الليلة القادمه بقينا السنه الراتبه سردها الشيخ عشر وهي في الحديث في حديثين حديث اثنتا عشر ثلاثه وحديث عشر في كل الحالين الحديث الصحيح. الشيخ حبيب الله تعالى. Again, by praising Allah Azza wa Jal and sending salams upon the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We praise Allah and seek His forgiveness and bear witness that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah. He is alone and He has no partners. To Him is the dominion and He is able to do all things. And may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon His Messenger. The one he sent as a mercy to mankind, he gave the message, he fulfilled the trust, and he was sincere for the Ummah. He fought in the way of Allah Azzawajal. May Allah be pleased. And may Allah be pleased with his companions, those who believed in him, those who migrated with him and to him. And they gave uh, their lives the cost of Islam and to support this religion. May Allah Azzawajal make us amongst those who love them with sincere love and make us diligent in adhering to their way. Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab mentioned in his treatise the etiquette of walking to prayer. Uh, so we reported from Ahmed. Ahmed is Ibn Hanbal, Rahim Allah Ta'ala, 
that there is nothing similar to Hajj because of the exhaustion in it and because that which the people witness. Uh, and there is no gathering in Islam similar to the gathering of the day of Arafah. And the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Zala. Uh, there's it's mentioned in the hadith that the Prophet said, Verily Allah looks at the people when they are standing on Arafat. And that which is the norm is that the men are all wearing the same type of clothing. They're wearing the ihram. And Allah Azawajal takes pride in the people who are standing on Arafat. Allah says, look at my servants. Look at these individuals and they have come to, or they have come from different parts of the world. All of them are seeking the pleasure of Allah Azawajal. And all of them want to be protected from the punishment of Allah. So Allah Azawajal says to the angels, Look at my servants. So indeed, this is a tremendous gathering. And these individuals, what are they doing on this day? These individuals from after Salatul Buhar. And for the rest of the day until the sun sets, these individuals are sitting. And they are remembering Allah. They are calling on Allah. They are not busying themselves with anything except the remembrance of Allah Azawajal. So this has a great status uh, in Islam. And because of that, because of the tremendous uh, act of worship that the people are doing when they are on Hajj, the Prophet has legislated that the people do not, the people who do not perform Hajj, that they fast. So they can also join in the reward. So the people that are not fasting on Afan, so the people that are not making Hajj, it is legislated for them to fast. And the Prophet said about fasting on this day, the day of Arafat, the Prophet said, I hope from Allah that it is an expiation for the, the past year sins uh, and the, the year before that or the following year, the past year sins and the year before that. So the Shaykh said, Habib Allah so this shows that fasting on the day of Arafat is an expiation for one's sins. So Imam Ahmad Rahimullah so there is not, said there is nothing similar to Hajj because of that which the people experience in it. And because of the fact that they spend their wealth and their bodies become fatigued. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, with regards to the spinning of the wealth, the one who is performing at-tamattu' during Hajj, it is legislated that this individual slaughters. It is legislated that the individual sacrifices uh, at the end of the Hajj. So this is him spinning his wealth, spinning from his wealth. And the individual who does not have the ability Meaning they do not have the sufficient funds to purchase an animal to slaughter, then it is legislated for these individuals to fast three days during the Hajj and seven days when they return home. And then the author, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab mentions a hadith on the authority of the companion Abi Umama radiallahu anhu that a man asked the Prophet وسلم, which action is best. And the Prophet said, it is upon you to fast 
Verily, there is something similar to it. So the Shaykh said, Habibullah Ta'ala, uh, commenting on this hadith, he said, indeed, the companions of the Prophet وسلم, it is tremendous how eager they were in learning the actions that please Allah and learning what are the greatest actions in terms of reward. This was the way of the companions of the Prophet So this companion, Abi Umama said that a man asked the Prophet what is the best of deeds? So the Prophet said, upon you is the fast. Shaykh said, Habibullah Ta'ala in commentary, he said, fasting prevents an individual from worldly desires. It prevents an individual from uh, eating, and from drinking, and having sexual relations with his wife or the spouse. So fasting prevents, prevents this individual from these deeds. And fasting is not something which is publicized. It is something which is private. And likewise, fasting does not require that an individual eats and, you know, it doesn't require that he spends from his wealth. Fasting is that you merely prevent yourself from eating and drinking in the daytime. This hadith was reported in the Muslim of Imam Ahmed and others, and the Islam is, is good. The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, when it is said that the Islam is good, that means is that the narration is accepted. But when the narration is reported in Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim, that means the narration is authentic. It is absolutely authentic. And then the author Rahimahullah mentioned, وَقَالَ الشَّيْخِ the author, He said, Shaykh mentioned, he's talking about Shaykh al-Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah Rahimahullah So the author, Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab Rahimahullah is mentioning a statement of Shaykh al-Islam, Ibn Taymiyyah Rahimahullah He said, it is possible that all of these deeds are better because, according to the situation, according to the situation, because this was done by the Prophet and his and his Khulafa al-Rashidin, Abu Bakr of Abu Bakr Umar Uthman Ali, according to the need and the benefit. So the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Taala. Now, so the deeds, so the actions which Allah Azawajal has legislated, it is possible that some actions are better than others due to the specific time the action is performed, or based on the specific time that the action is performed. If the action has benefit for the ummah, if the action has benefit for the ummah, if the action benefits people, then it's possibly better that that action is better at that particular time. Uh, as it relates to or compared to another action. Then the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, uh, the statement of Imam Ahmad Rahim Allah Ta'ala, Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, he said, look at that which is more beneficial for your heart and do it. And do it. The Shaykh said Habib Allah Ta'ala, for example, if an individual reflects and this individual remembers Allah, this individual says, SubhanAllah. This individual says, Glory be to Allah Azawajal. And this individual reflects over the greatness of Allah. And likewise the hadith where the Prophet said, for a person to say, 
subhanallah wa bihamdihi, subhanallah al-azim, in one day a hundred times, this would fit. Allah Azzawajal would forgive all of his sins. So this individual sitting and remembering Allah Azzawajal and reflecting over his Lord. And it's possible that the person can say this in 15 minutes. As long as he intends to gain nearness to Allah Azzawajal and he hopes to gain the pleasure of Allah, then this action is better. This action is better. This action is very good. And it's possible that this individual doing so, مثلاً, individual sitting and remembering Allah, reflecting over the greatness of Allah and remembering Allah. It's possible that this is better for, this is better for him than praying extra prayers or reciting the Quran. It's possible that this action is better as long as the action that he's doing is in accordance with the Sunnah of the Prophet And the Shaykh reiterated, he said it's possible that a person sitting and glorifying Allah is better than him praying extra at night or reciting verses from the Qur'an. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, Allah said in the Qur'an, Allah said in the Qur'an, so fear Allah to the best of your ability. So that which does not bring about difficulty upon the individual. Um, so it is upon, the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, so it is upon the individual to look at himself and to look at that which is pleasing to Allah, the action which is pleasing to Allah. If reflecting over the greatness of Allah and the individual, the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, he gave an example. He said, it's possible that an individual sits and he reflects over something of the religion. And by way of his reflection, he's a person of knowledge, he has thought of a solution for some problems that is facing the Muslim Ummah. There's problems that are facing the Muslim Ummah. So he's thought of a solution. Or he's thought of a principle in Islam. And he teaches the people after he has reflected over that. This is something which has tremendous benefit. And it is brought about how? By him thinking. Not by him praying or the likes, no. He thought about it and it brought about a benefit for the Muslims. And he said, and this is that he's reflecting over what? He's reflecting over the speech of Allah. He's reflecting over the speech of the Prophet And this is the reference for the Muslim Ummah. This is that which we take our religion from. He said an example of this was in the story of Imam al-Shafi when he stayed one night with Imam Ahmed. Imam al-Shafi stayed one night with Imam Ahmed and he laid down. And he closed his eyes and he began to reflect. And in the morning, uh, in the morning, Imam Ahmed was surprised because he thought that Imam al-Shafi did not pray at night. And Imam al-Shafi stood up and he went to the salat without wudu. He went to the salat without wudu and Imam Ahmed was surprised. How could you sleep and not make wudu? Imam al-Shafi said, no, I was thinking about a masala. I didn't sleep at night. I was thinking about uh, an issue, an Islamic issue. So the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala. So, um, now, so then the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, so it is possible that an action of the heart, which is reflecting about, uh, and just for clarification, the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala did not mention the story. 
He said, as what took place with Imam al-Shafi, and Imam Ahmed. But he didn't say specifically the story. But I said the story for clarification. But the Shaykh Habib al-Ta'ala did not say the complete story. Um, then uh, Imam Ahmed al-Ta'ala, uh, the Shaykh Habib al-Ta'ala went back to the statement of Imam Ahmed. And that is, look at your heart. That which is more beneficial for your heart, you should do. So the Shaykh Habib al-Ta'ala once again reiterated about the issue of a person reflecting about uh, the greatness of Allah Azawajal. And then he went into specifics. He said, a person reflecting about the creation, a person reflecting about the sky and the heavens, and a person thinking about what has, or the person thinking about the greatness of Allah Azawajal, the one who created the heavens. And then the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, the hadith where the Prophet Sallallahu said, Sab'atun yudilahum Allahu fi dhilli, yawma la dhilla illa dhillu. That seven people that Allah Azawajal would shade these individuals on a day that there's no shade except that which Allah provides. And one of those individuals is a person who remembers Allah Azawajal while he was alone. He wasn't in the company of anyone. This person remembers Allah, so his eyes become filled with tears. His eyes become filled with tears. The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, so this individual has a reverence of Allah. This individual has fear of Allah Azawajal. This did not come about because he was praying Allah. Or this has not become about, this did not become about because he was doing a lot of reading. But he only reflected about the creation of Allah. How did Allah bring this about? These mountains that are spread throughout the earth. Look at the, the, the great, tremendous, uh, uh, creation of Allah Azawajal. The individual reflected about the rain, how Allah Azawajal sends down the rain, and the rain brings light to the land. So the individual reflected, look at these beautiful, tremendous things that Allah Azawajal has created, so what about the greatness of Allah, the one who created these things? This brought about fear of Allah Azawajal. This brought about consciousness of Allah Azawajal. Then, and then the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, but there are other things that uh, a person can be rewarded for. For example, the person's salat, the person's jihad, the person supporting his family, that which people are in need of. So the, the person is in need of supporting his family, he's in need of praying, he's in need of fighting jihad. So these are actions of the limbs. But that shows you that it's possible that actions uh, of the heart have a greater impact on the individual than the actions of than the actions of the limb. Then the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, so it's very important that an individual focuses on that which is pleasing to Allah and that which brings about fear of Allah Azawajal. Then he said, he said it again, Habib Allah Ta'ala, um, the sky, the heavens, how long, imagine how long did it take for Afwan? He said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, how many years have these heavens been there? And he said, some people say they've been there for millions of years, these heavens, and they're not supported by anything except Allah Azza wa Jal. And he said, some researchers, they've come to the conclusion that this, the heavens have been there for millions of years without any type of support. So it is upon an individual to reflect over this. Likewise, in Surah Al-Mulk, Allah mentioned in Surah Al-Mulk, in Surah Al-Mulk, that the person, Allah orders the individual in Surah Al-Mulk, to look at the heavens. Is there any gaps? Is there any holes in the heavens? And Allah Azza has ordered the individuals to look at the sky at night and look at the stars and look at the, 
the, the, the brightness, the illumination of, of these stars. Allah has ordered the individual to look at the orbit and that which is above him of the heavens. No one knows the reality of these things except Allah Azza and He is the creator that has brought them about. So, and then the, the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, likewise to look in Surah Al-Fusilat. In Surah Al-Fusilat, where Allah Ta'ala mentioned how many days it took to create the heavens and the earth. Allah Azza created it in, in six days. Allah brought about the heavens and the earth and everything that mankind are in need of. Allah Azza brought it about in six days. So it is upon a person to reflect over, over these things. And reflection over these things, it brings about greatness of Allah. It brings about fear of Allah Azza and then the Shaykh said, Habib Allah but you should not think that mere reflection takes the place of the obligatory deeds. No, it is still upon you to pray the five daily prayers. It is still upon you to fast the month of Ramadan. It is still upon you to make the obligatory hajj. Then uh, the author, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, mentioned um, to show you that it's possible that the actions of the hearts have a great impact on the individual and are beloved to Allah. The hadith where the Prophet said, the most beloved deeds to Allah is love for the sake of Allah and hate for the sake of Allah. And likewise the hadith where the Prophet said the strongest uh, handhold uh, in Islam or of Iman uh, is that an individual loves for the sake of Allah and they hate for the sake of Allah. The Sheikh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, so this means, he said, when you love someone because they're your relative, he said, that's easy. You love someone because he's your son, you love someone because he's your brother. The Sheikh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, that's very easy. That's something which is common and natural. But when you love an individual for the mere sake of you witnessing that that person tries to please Allah, or that you witness that this person loves Allah, and they love to do the actions that are loved by Allah, then this is uh, something tremendous. So the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, so you should love the people whom Allah loves. Those whom Allah loves, you should love them. And you should hate the people whom Allah hates. And you do this for the sole purpose of pleasing your Lord Ta'ala. You want to gain the pleasure of Allah. So you love for the sake of Allah and you hate for the sake of Allah. You love the believers and the people of Iman and you hate the disbelievers because of their disbelief. You hate the munaqiqun, the hypocrites because of their hypocrisy. And you love those and Afwan. He said, and you do all of this in obedience to Allah. So your love and your hate is based on obedience to Allah Azza so you should not love an individual except because out of obedience to Allah And you see this individual trying to implement the actions which are pleasing to Allah. As is mentioned in this hadith, that this is the strongest handhold in Islam or of your Iman, is that you love and you hate for the sake of Allah And the Shaykh said, Hadith Allah Ta'ala, that this has been mentioned in a hadith that I've mentioned to you uh, previously, and that was that a man left his city and he set off on a journey to visit someone in another land. So uh, an angel, Allah sent an angel in the appearance of a man and said, 
where are you going? And he questioned him. He said, I'm going to visit this individual in another, uh, another city. And he said, do, the angel said, do you have any worldly affair with him, business transaction, something that you've lent him and you, you want to uh, receive it from him? He said, no, I'm visiting him. So the angel said, I am a messenger for, I'm a messenger from the one who you are visiting him for. Meaning, you're visiting him for Allah. I am a messenger from Allah. Verily, Allah loves you. Verily, Allah loves you. So the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, so our love should be based on the pleasure of Allah. The Shaykh said, this love should be pure. This love should be sincere. This love should be uh, free from any type of innovation and worldly affair. The love should be only for Allah Azza wa Jalla. Then the author, Rahimullah Ta'ala, mentions uh, the actions of the limbs. He finished from the actions of the heart. And the Shaykh said, Habibullah Ta'ala, and before that, he finished from the obligatory actions such as the five daily prayers and the lights. And then he mentioned the actions of the hearts. And now he's going to talk about the superiority actions, the extra deeds that a person can do. The most confirmed uh, superiority action is the prayer of the eclipse. And I'll read from the text, the prayer of the eclipse, and then Salat al-Witr, and then the Sunnah before Fajr, and then the Sunnah uh, after Salat al-Maghrib, and then the rest of the, the, the superiority prayers which are associated with the five daily prayers. The Shaykh said, Hadith Allah Ta'ala, so the time of the explanation of the obligatory prayers that has passed, and now we're going to talk about the author, Rahim Allah Ta'ala, is going to talk about the superiority actions of the limbs. And he said one of the first, most established uh, superiority prayer is the eclipse. And this was done by the Prophet and done by his companions. When there was an eclipse of the sun or of the moon, the Prophet used to race to pray. He used to race to pray. And then the author mentioned Salat al-Witr. Salat al-Witr. And the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala that Salat al-Witr is done at night after Salat al-Isha up until the time of Salat al-Fajr. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, it's very important that an individual conditions himself to pray Salat al-Witr. He should try to condition himself to never abandon, to never abandon Salat al-Witr. The least number of units is one. If a person, methodan, after Salat al-Isha, if they wanted to pray Salat al-Witr, they can pray one, one unit of prayer. And the most is 11 or 13. The author said 11, but the Shaykh said, Habib al 11 or 13. And this is because it is authentically reported that the Prophet ﷺ sometimes prayed 13. As it has come in the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha and Um Salama radiallahu anha, that the Prophet ﷺ and the hadith of Abdullah bin, bin Abbas, Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu anhuma and Sahih Bukhari, that the Prophet ﷺ sometimes prayed 13. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, you should make Salat al-Witr a permanent part of your life. You should make Salat al-Witr a permanent part of your life. And you can pray 13. And uh, it's better that you do it in the last part of the night. Because it's mentioned in the hadith that Allah Azawajal descends to the lower, the lower sky during the last part of the night, the last third of the night. And Allah calls on His servants. Is there anyone, is there anyone repenting to me 
so I can forgive him? Is there anyone seeking something from me so I can give him? Is there anyone seeking my forgiveness so I can forgive him? So the Shaykh said, Ayyub Allah Ta'ala, that this takes place in the third part of the night. So the best time to perform Salat al-Wutr is in the third part of the night. But if an individual fears, if an individual fears that he would sleep and up until Salat al-Fajr, then a person can pray at the beginning of, of the night. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, that this is in the hadith of Abu Hurairah. In the hadith of Abu Hurairah, he said, my best friend, Awsani Khalili, my best friend, advised me with three things. To fast three days of the month, fast three days of the month, and two, to make witr, to, to make salat al-witr before I go to sleep, before I go to sleep. And the third one is the two units of salat al-duha. The two units of salat al-duha, which is prayed before uh, salat al-duha. So the shaykh said, Habib Allah so the person can pray before they go to sleep, or if they fear, um, if they fear that they would not wake up later in the night, they should pray before they go to sleep. But if they, uh, if they somewhat are certain that they can wake up during the latter part of the night, then it's best that they do it during the latter part of the night. And you can do 11 or 13, 11 or 13, because of the hadith of Aisha, that the Prophet and the hadith is in Bukhari, that she said the Prophet would never do more than 11. But you have also in another narration by Um Salama radiallahu anha that and Ibn Abbas and the Shaykh said Habib Ta'ala Ibn Abbas one night he stayed he slept over he slept in the house of the Prophet because the aunt of Ibn Abbas was the wife of the Prophet the aunt of Ibn Abbas was the wife of the Prophet so he stayed in the house because that's her nephew so he stayed in the house and they slept. And later on in the night, the Prophet woke up and he made wudu. He made ablution. Ibn Abbas, he woke up and he made ablution and they all prayed together. They all prayed together. The Prophet Ibn Abbas and his aunt, who was the wife of the Prophet. And during that night, the Prophet prayed 13 units of prayer. He prayed 13 units of prayer. Then the author, Rahimah Ta'ala, talks about how the manner in which a person should pray Salat al He said, what's best is that you pray two units and you make Tasneem. And you pray two units and you make Tasneem until the end. And this is based on the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Salat al-Layl, Verily, there's a hadith where the Prophet Sallallahu said, the night prayer is two units by two units. Unless one of you fears the sun coming up, or one of you fears the entering of Salat al-Fajr, then you make witr. So this hadith shows, although the Prophet ﷺ did not prevent or forbid, or although the Prophet ﷺ did not prevent or forbid an individual from praying three straight or, or five or seven, but the Prophet ﷺ recommended that you pray two and you make taslim, you pray two and you make taslim. So then the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, so you make two, you make two, you make two, then once you finish 10, you pray 1, which is witr, and that's 11. Then the Shaykh said, Habib Allah but you can also pray 15, you can pray 16. Um, it's not a restricted number that you can pray. The Shaykh said, you can pray 9, you can pray 8, the likes. 
And the Shaykh said, Hadith Allah Ta'ala, what's preferred is that you pray two, two by two. But if a person wants to pray eight straight with, without making tasleem, you can do it. You can do it. You can join all eight. And then at the end, you pray one, or nine, or seven, or five. So that is permissible. But what is recommended is what was done by the Prophet himself, and that's to pray two by two. Uh, now, and then the Shaykh said, I mean, the author, Rahimahullah, mentioned you can pray them all together, or you can pray them two by two, or you can pray them like Maghrib. Like Maghrib is you pray two units, then you make tashahud, and then you stand up for the last unit, and you make a tashahud. You can pray like Maghrib. Now, and then the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala, uh, now, so he said that which all of these are permissible to do, but that which is better for the individual to do is to pray two, and make tasneem, stand up, pray two, make tasneem, and then you pray the last one with one uh, tasneem. That's what the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala. Then he said, uh, then the author, Rahim Allah Ta'ala, is going to talk about uh, the, the sunnah prayers which are connected to the obligatory prayers. And he said, here the author mentions that uh, there are 10, but in fact there are 12. And he said, but we will talk about, we will discuss that in next week's lesson, if Allah gives us life. يقول السائل حبيبكم الله تعالى إذا صليت صلاة الوجه ثم أرادت زوجتي أن تصلي صلاة الوجه فهل يجوز لي أن أمها في الصلاة وأصلي مرة ثانية صلاة الوجه؟ يجوز لكن لا توتر فقد قال النبي لا وتران في أي لا إذا صليت تهجدك وأحملته وأوترت وأحببت أن تأم زوجتك تؤدي الوتر فلا حرج لكن إذا بقيت الركعة الأخيرة تنفرد زوجتك وتصلي ولا حرج في ذلك and then later on in the night, his wife wanted to pray Salat al-Witr and he wanted to lead her in the prayer. Is it permissible for him to once again pray Salat al-Witr? The Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, it's permissible for him to lead her in the prayer, but he should not repeat the Witr. He should not repeat the Witr. Because there is a hadith where the Prophet said, there is no two Witr in one night. There is no two Witr in one night. So if you had prayed your Tahajjid, your night prayer, and you've made witr, and then your wife wants to pray uh, her night prayer, so you lead her, but when it's the end of the prayer and she has one remaining, then she should pray by herself. You should not lead her in that. No. Ashkara al-Hakiqah sahib al-Sawaad. Ahu Hassan, wa yambaghi al-Tanabbah bi-annahu idha sara ya'umma ya'ummu zawjah. لا تكون بجانبه وإنما تصلي خلفه. So the Sheikh Habib Allah Taala said, I I thank the the person who asked this question because it's it's very important. And he said, Habib Allah Taala, you should understand that when the man leads his wife in prayer, she should not pray beside him, but rather she should pray behind him.
يقول السائل حفظكم الله تعالى هل المقصود بصيام ثلاثه ايام في الشهر وفق نصيحه ابي هريره رضي الله تعالى هل المقصود ايام الضيف ام ماذا؟ لا على اطلاقه لو صامها ايام الايام البيض اللي ليلها مضيء بالقمر ونهارها مضيء بالشمس الليل منور بالقمر والنهار مضاء بالشمس فحسن لكن لو فرقها لو قال اصومها يوم الخميس ويوم الخميس الثاني او يوم الاثنين المهم ان يكون صلى صام ثلاثه ايام والحسنه في عشر اثانها يكون كانما صام الشهر كله With regards to what was mentioned in the hadith of Abu Hurairah that the Prophet advised him to fast three days, are these three uh, specific days or the, the full moon days, ayam al days of the full moon, or are they general days? The Shaykh mentioned Allah No, they are general. So if a person wants to fast the days of the full moon, and these are the days where the moon is full at night and the sun is bright in the day. So if a person wanted to fast these days, the 13th, 14th, and 15th of the month, then it is good. But if a person wanted to divide these days and distribute these days over the month, for example, if he prays, for example, if he fasts one Thursday, and then he uh, fasts another Thursday, or he fasts another month, a Monday, so if he wanted to divide these days and fast them on individual days, separate days, then it's uh, likewise uh, good. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, that would have been that he fasted three days of the month. And verily, the, the good deed is multiplied by ten. So it is as if he has fasted the, the full month. يقول السائل حبيبكم الله تعالى سمعت بأن بأن يقال سبحان الله وبحمده 100 مرة في اليوم يجعل يجعل ذنوب العبد أو يقفل لذنوب العبد فهل يجوز لنا أن نقول سبحان الله وبحمده تارة وسبحان الله وبحمده وسبحان الله العظيم تارة أخرى ونحصل على نفس الثواب؟ لا حرج في ذلك إلا أن الحرص على التزام ما قاله النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يكون اوفق ما دام النبي يقول من قال سبحان الله وبحمد سبحان الله العظيم عاد يروى البخاري في اخر كتابه كلمتان خفيفتان على اللسان حبيبتان الى الرحمن سبحان الله وبحمد سبحان الله العظيم احب الكلام الى الله كلمتان Individuals asking, um, I heard that saying SubhanAllah Bihamdihi 100 times a day uh, has this, the sins of the individual forgiven. Is it permissible for me to say SubhanAllah Bihamdihi sometimes and SubhanAllah Adim some other times and will I get the same reward? The Shaykh said it's no problem in doing this, but it's upon an individual to try to stick to uh, the statement of the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Prophet SallAllahu said SubhanAllah Bihamdihi, SubhanAllah Adim. Um, and likewise, this is mentioned in Sahih Bukhari that there are two statements, light on the tongue, um, heavy on the scales, 
and loved by Allah subhanallah wa bihamdihi subhanallah al-azim. So this is that which the individual should try to say. يقول السائل حبيب المرات هذا ما حكم دخول المرأة الطفل حديث حديث الولادة إلى المسجد حيث يبكي كثيرا ويزعج المصلين إذا أمكن أن ما تدخل المسجد حتى لا يشغل هذا الصغير المصلين فحسن لكن أيضا إذا أمكنها أن تحرص على تخفيه وبكاءه فإن هذا وجد في عهد النبي يقول عليه الصلاة والسلام أدخل الصلاة وأنا أريد أن أطيل الصلاة فأسمع بكاء الطفل فأتجوز في الصلاة لما أعلم من اهتمام أمه به وانشغالها به فهذا موجود في عهد حتى في عهد النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Question is asking what is the ruling on females entering the masjid with new, newborn uh, babies, knowing that these newborn babies would cry and disturb the worshippers. The Sheikh mentioned if it's possible, if she has the ability not to enter the masjid with this newborn child, then it is better so that this child does not disturb those who are praying. But, um, and this is that which she should try to do. But the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, but she should also, we should also understand that this was present during the time of the Prophet. This was present during the time of the Prophet The Prophet said, I entered, this hadith of the Prophet said, I entered and I began the prayer and I intend to elongate the recitation. But then I shorten it because I hear a child crying uh, and I, I, I have concern for the mother you know, her concern for her child. So I shortened the prayer um, in order to uh, not harm the child and, and the mother. But the Shaykh said Habib, so the Shaykh said Habib Allah Ta'ala. So this was present during the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. يقول السائل حبيبكم الله تعالى قد دخلت في الصلاة متأخرا والإمام كان في التشهر الأخير وبقيت علي ركعة هل يجوز لي أن أصلي على النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وأستعيذ بالله من الأربع وأذكر الله مع الإمام أن تشهد لم يكن التشهر الأخير بنفس يعني لي لا بأس بذلك لا حرج Individuals asking the individuals asking if I enter the prayer late and I have one unit to continue, to, to, to make up, to complete. But the Imam is in the last shahid. So in his last shahid, he's sending salams upon the Prophet وسلم, he's seeking refuge in Allah from four and the likes. Is it, should I do the same with the Imam, even though that's not my finest shahid? The Shaykh said, no, it's no problem in you doing so.
يقول السائل حبيبكم الله تعالى إذا قال الرجل لزوجته لست زوجتي فهل هذا تعبير يجوز وهل هو تعبير وهل يقصد بهذا الطلاق وهل يحصل بهذا الطلاق الأعمال بالنيات لأن هذا القول ليس صريح الطلاق فإذا كان ينويه طلاق فإنه يكون طلاقا وإن كان ينوي أنها مقصرة ولا قامت بكل الحقوق الزوجية مثلا فلا يكون طلاق لأن الكنايات أو اللواتي تصلح أن تكون طلاقا وهي ليست بألفاظ الطلاق فإنها تحتاج إلى نية أما الطلاق إذا قال لها أنت طالق حتى لو قال أنا ما نويت يقع الطلاق The individual asks, the individual asks if a man says to his wife, you are not my wife. The man says to his wife, you are not my wife. Is this considered uh, that he has divorced her? The Shaykh said, Allah, the actions are by the intention. Actions are by their intentions because this statement is not here divorce. So if, but if the individual intended that he's divorcing her, then she's divorced. If he intended that. But if he intended something else, and that is, if he intended that, no, he's uh, he's admonishing her because she's not fulfilling his rights or the likes, then it is not considered divorce. Um, so the issue with regards to statements that are similar but not exactly divorce, these issues look at the intention of the individual. Then the Shaykh says, unlike the clear statement, the clear statement when the man says, you are divorced. The man says, you are divorced, then the divorce is valid. Divorce is valid. يقول السائل حديثكم الله تعالى هل هناك حديث ذكر فيه المنع أو منع صلاة الوتر كالمغرب؟ يقول هل هناك حديث ذكره ذكر فيه النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم منع أو أو النهي أن يصلي المرء صلاة الوتر كالمغرب ورد لكنه لم يكن بالقدر الذي يمنع ما دام أن النبي صح أنه صلى ثلاث فيصدق عليها معنى فلا حرج في ذلك Individuals asking is there a hadith in which the Prophet forbade that an individual prays Salat al-Witr like Maghrib. And the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, there's a hadith, but this hadith doesn't indicate that it's forbidden because it is mentioned that the Prophet did, Prophet actually prayed three units of prayer uh, like Witr, like Salat al-Maghrib, so there's no problem in an individual in doing so. يقول السائل حفيكم الله تعالى هناك داعي في بريطانيا قد ناظر الرجل تكفيري من الذين يؤيدون فرق داعش وفي أثناء هذه المناظرة كان هذا داعي استخدم عبارات تشيد الثناء والمجاملة وقد زعم يعني الثناء والمجاملة على الخوات وقد زعم بأنه يجوز أن يناظر أهل البدعة ولو كان إمام ولو كان أمام ولو كان أمام عامة الناس فهل قوله الصحيح وعن فعله الصحيح هناك هناك داعي 
ناظر رجل تكفيري عندهم في بريطانيا ويقول يجوز مناظرة أهل البدع أمام عامة الناس إذا كان مناظرة أهل البدع لإبطال بدعهم وبيان فسادها وليعلم الناس أنها فاسدة لا تتفق مع عقل ولا دين فلا حرج في ذلك وأما إذا خاف أن يغتر الناس بآراء أصحاب هذه البدع فالأولى عدم مناقشتهم وإنما يرد عليهم بأنهم ليسوا أهلا للمناقشة Individuals asking in the UK, we have an individual who debated a person who is defeated and they support uh, ISIS and they mentioned that it's permissible to do this in front of the public. Uh, what is the ruling in that regard? The Sheikh said, uh, to debate the people of innovation, to expose uh, their evils and to clarify to the people that which they are upon of deviation uh, and so that the people can know that that which this group is upon is uh, is not from our religion nor is it sound of sound intellect then there is no problem in doing so but if it is feared that the people will be deceived uh, by this group's uh, ideologies and the likes then it is upon you not to debate with them and you inform them that it is not an issue that needs to be debated الأوصاف التي تنبغي أن توفر في في المناظر من حيث العلم و... ينبغي أن الواحد لا يدخل في بحث في مناقشات العلمية إلا إذا كان مؤهلا تأهيلا علميا حقيقة وأما أن يدخل يناقش الناس أو يناقش البدع وهو لا يحسن بيان فساد قولهم ولا يحسن أيضا إيراد ما يرد عليهم فيصرفهم لأنهم ليسوا أهلا لأن يناقشوا. Likewise, the continuation of the question what is the, the characteristics that should be in an individual who debates? He said an individual should not enter into a debate until he is absolutely qualified uh, to do so. So, uh, an individual who does not have the ability or is not qualified, he should not debate with the people of innovation. He should be an individual that has the ability to uh, expose that which is incorrect. He should have the ability to refute their statements, but if he doesn't have the ability, then he should not involve himself in a debate. يقول السائل حبيب الله تعالى إذا أقطع المصلي ونطق بالتشهد بدلا من قراءة الفاتحة في الركعة الثالثة مع الإيمان فهل عليه أن يشتد شذور السهو؟ إن سجد فهو أولى لأنه نطق بشيء ليس هذا موضع النقد لكن لو لم يسجد الصلاة صحيحة Individual individuals asking if a person, uh, instead in the third rakah, in the third unit of prayer, instead of saying uh, Surah Al-Fatiha while standing, 
they said the tashahud. Do they have to pray? And they're praying with the imam. Do they have to pray sujood al-sahud? The Shaykh said, Hadi Barata, if they make the sujood al-sahud, it is good because they have mentioned something in the prayer at a time that should not be mentioned. But if they did not do the sujood al-sahud, it is accepted. يقول السائل حبيب الله تعالى كيف أحسن الله إليك كيف نجمع بين قول المعلم رحمه الله تعالى أفضل التطوع أفضل التطوع الجهاد وقوله استيعاب عشرة الهجة بالعبادة ليلا ونهار أفضل من الجهاد عشرة الهجة لمن لا يستطيع أن يكون بالجهاد فهي أفضل الأعمال ثم هي وقت محدود الجهاد يحتاج إلى زمن طويل وهي وقف عبادة لا تحتاج إلى كبير عنه لكن المجاهد في سبيل الله في قتال الكفار وصد أذاهم عن المسلمين هذا إذا مات في هذا العمل يستمر عمله يسير له يسري له حتى بعد موته يتميز نعم Uh, performing worship in the day and at night is better than jihad. The Sheikh said, Habib Allah the days, the ten days of the hijjah, um, it's the best of deeds because of its, its time is limited. Its time is limited. And the Sheikh said, whereas jihad, it's, the time is it's, it's open. Time takes a long time, possibly you know, a long time to fight jihad. Whereas the days of the hijjah is not a long period of time. Likewise, the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, whereas the, the person, the people who fight in the way of Allah as well, fighting the kuffar and defending the Muslims, um, the person that fights while doing this, this individual's deeds continue even after his death. So there's a distinction between the two. When the Bistathna in the Jihad, when the Bistathna in the Jihad, when the Bistathna in the خرج بنفس يوماله فلم يرجع من ذلك بشيء قتل هذا له له وزن اخر and with regards to the issue of jihad there's another hadith that the prophet صلى الله عليه mentioned when he was comparing the the days of the hijjah and jihad or the prophet صلى was praising the, the days of the hijjah he said except a man he gave an exception except a man who went out with his wealth and his life and he did not return. The individual was killed. So that shows you that it has a different criteria between or distinction between uh, the days of the hijjah and fighting jihad. The Holy Sahib Hadithum Allah Ta'ala Man Fark Bain Al-Wutri Wa Tahajjud The Holy Sahib Hadithum Allah Ta'ala Man Fark Bain Al-Wutri Salat Al-Wutri Wa Tahajjud 
صلاة الوتر هي الرفعة الأخيرة هذه هي الوتر لأنها فرد هذه هي الوتر والتهجد فإذا فرضها أن الشخص أوتر أول الليل صلى الوتر يتهجد يعني يصلي ما بداله أن يؤديه من النوافل لكن لا يكون فيها وتر Then the individual is asking, um, what's the difference between Salat al-Witr and Tahajjid? And the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, that Witr is what you pray at the end. Witr is what you pray at the end. For example, an individual wanted to pray at night, so he prayed several units of prayer. Um, at the end is when the person would pray the Salat al-Witr, which is one unit of, of prayer. أول نحمد الله جل وعلا على ما يسر لنا من هذا الاجتماع ونسأل الله سبحانه وتعالى أن يجعل عملا ذلك هذا خالصا لوجه الله موافقا لسنة رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم مقبولا عند ربنا نافعا لنا في دنيانا وآخرتنا كما أسأل سبحانه وتعالى أن يوفقنا جميعا العلم النافع وان يوفقنا لان يظهر علينا اثر العلم الذي نتعلمه في ادبنا وتعاملنا مع الناس والحرص على افادتهم ونفعهم والكف عن ايذائهم والسلامه من الغيبه والنميمه وفاحش القول كما نساله سبحانه وتعالى ان يعز الاسلام والمسلمين وأن يذل الكفر والكافرين والمنافقين وأن يعاجل المسلمين المعتدى عليهم بالنصر والتمكين وأن يوفقنا وإياهم لإحسان العمل وصدق التوبة كما نسأله جل وعلا أن يعاجل أهل الشام بالخروج من هذه الفتنة وأن يرينا في الظالمين المعتدين الذين لا ينظرون لنتائج جرائمهم في القتل والتدمير والترويع والافساد ان يعاجلنا بظهور عقوبات لهم من الله جل وعلا في انفسهم ودولهم ومن ومن يناصرهم كما نسأله جل وعلا ان يطفئ جميع الفتن التي عصفت في بلاد المسلمين في كل مكان وان يحل محلها الامن والايمان وطاعه الله جل وعلا والسعي الصادق لالتماس مرضات رب العالمين بالاعمال الصالحه واجتناب ما لا يرضاه الله جل وعلا من الاقوال والاعمال انه مجيب الدعاء واخر دعوانا ان الحمد لله رب العالمين. الشيخ حبيب الله تعالى عندما تلاحظ ان نثنك الله عز وجل فلعلنا نستقم together and we ask الله عز وجل to make our deeds sincerely for him and in accordance with the sunnah of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and we ask Allah to accept them from us. We ask Allah عز وجل to uh, allow all of us to gain beneficial knowledge and to allow this knowledge to appear in our actions, in our manners, 
and our character, and that we treat others by way of this, uh, this, this, this knowledge. And we do not harm anyone based on this knowledge. And uh, that this knowledge is seen in our statements and in our actions. And likewise, we ask Allah to give might to Islam and to the Muslims and to the basic disbelievers. We ask Allah to give immediate uh, ease to the Muslims who have been oppressed. And we ask Allah to guide us all to good deeds and sincere repentance. We ask Allah to give immediate uh, relief to the people who are being, who are being oppressed in Syria. And we ask Allah to show us in His enemies those who do not uh, look at the consequences of their actions. Ask Allah, uh, they don't look at the consequences of their actions, and that is that they would be, receive a punishment from Allah in themselves, in their countries, and likewise those who support them would be punished. We ask Allah to bring an end to the trials and the tribulations which are, have afflicted the Muslims in all parts of the world. And we ask Allah to replace it with safety and security and obedience to Allah. We ask Allah to give the people, all of us, uh, success in racing towards that which is pleasing to Allah and to make our deeds uh, righteous and to abstain from that which is not pleasing to Allah and to allow us to work toward that which is pleasing to Allah in our statements and in our actions. Verily, Allah is the one to answer this, the call. And may the peace of, and our last supplication is all praise be to Allah, the Lord, the Lord of the world. And may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon Muhammad, his companions, and family members.